Live from Hollywood, it's the Beverage, Soap, and Family Sanitizer Theater. The Beverage Soap and Family Sanitizer Theater brings you Divorce My Daddy, starring Ronald Palmer as Professor Squiggins, Laura Marquis as Delinda, and introducing Annie Almond as the Tiny Little Jerk. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the evening, Hollywood's greatest producer, Mr. Eugene Krantz. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. You know, living here in the epicenter of the entertainment industry can sometimes make it very easy to forget about you, normal, everyday Americans, spread across the rest of the country. And I like that. I had no specific reason for sharing that with you. In fact, that point bears absolutely no relevance to tonight's Beverage Soap and Family Sanitizer Theater presentation. It's just that I feel so comfortable with you out there in our radio audience. You seem so unthreatening, so docile. I like to picture you sitting around the table in some farmhouse kitchen, drooling and dripping into large mounds of mashed potatoes, or gathered around the radio in your parlor, dreaming of the world I inhabit, one in which even a serving of pork that accompanies the dumplings in a Chinese restaurant has more wit and intellectual curiosity than the boorish excrement-scented citizens of this nation's southern and midwestern states. Anyway, with this in mind, you residents of these justifiably scorned and mocked regions of America may want to skip tonight's production, since it has little, if anything, to do with such rural customs as pig-poking or cow-shaving. Instead, tonight's play is an adaptation of RKO's new comedy hit, Divorce My Daddy, One of the characters in this new moving picture smash is a college professor, an occupation sure to be unfamiliar to the average resident of Mississippi, who struggles and flounders through school before finally giving up and dropping out of the fourth grade to help his parents with their sheep rubbing business. This particular character, Professor Squiggins, will be played tonight by Ronald Palmer, reprising his role in the film version, and who will soon be seen in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer drama, The Drenching of Mahalia Sweat. Also from the original cast, we have that promising young starlet, Laura Marquis, as Delinda. Laura, of course, won the Academy Award last month for her performance as Lampshade in the Warner Brothers smash hit, A Mouth for Every Puddle. And finally, we're very fortunate to have with us, in the role played by Judy Garland in the film, seven-year-old Annie Almond, as America's favorite Moppet, the tiny little jerk. Given that Judy Garland is 22 years old, and the character is supposed to be 8, we think this might actually be an improvement. Annie can next be seen in Paramount's upcoming action-adventure movie, The Contents of My Makeup Case is None of Your Business, Hitler. Together, these three stars bring us the hilarious, touching, and at times, deeply uninvolving tale of a man and woman in love and the child who struggles to deal with the changes in her father's life. I think you'll agree that the chronicle of these three people, people not so different from you, unless you live in Kentucky or Iowa, in which case your hair is no doubt matted with grease and imbecility, is definitely a relevant one for our present day and age. 
I think you'll also agree that if I were to murder any one of you listening to this broadcast, my vast wealth and my far-reaching power and influence would almost certainly lead to my acquittal of any murder charges. Indeed, regardless of what I do or who I do it to, my hands are always clean. And of course, your hands will always be clean if you use beverage soap and family sanitizer. Beverage soap and family sanitizer doesn't just clean the grit and grime that accumulates on the body throughout an average day. It also scrubs clean the moral filth that can gather on the soul. Filth that can originate from such sources, for example, as accidentally viewing pornography or listening to Pete Seeger. And now for the first act of Divorce My Daddy, starring Ronald Palmer, Laura Marquis, and Annie Almond. The eastern coast of the United States is home to many of the country's Ivy League universities, majestic centers of intellectual supremacy that are home to many of the nation's most brilliant minds. One can only imagine the envy felt by the tiny percentage of intelligent people living in Idaho or Arkansas, surrounded as they are by legions of putrid, inbred hillbillies and hicks who have been rightfully forsaken by the productive, able members of our society. Odds of escaping such an environment seem small indeed if one has been born into it, and I can only imagine that most people of even an average intelligence end up killing themselves before they turn 30. Wait, what was I saying? Oh yes. Anyway, one of the finer Ivy League schools is Princeton University, an institution of great acclaim and achievement that happens to employ Stephen Squiggins, a professor of mathematics. Dr. Squiggins is one of the true stars in his department. At a relatively young age, he has already published dozens of papers on topics in his field and earned full tenure. And yet, despite his academic triumph, his personal life isn't so successful. His beloved wife passed on five years prior to the start of our story, after the unicycle she was riding collided with a large, drunk ostrich that had run a stop sign. This left him in the sole care of their three-year-old daughter Maisie, who, in her grief over her mother's death, developed an acute case of sassmouth, which earned her the darling nickname, the Tiny Little Jerk. This eventually led her father to send the Tiny Little Jerk to Dame Cabbage's finishing and boarding school for female snots in Britain. Unfortunately, her two-year stint in their prestigious soul-twisting program produced little in the way of results, and as our story begins, she arrives home in America to reside with her father once again. After picking her up at the airport, Professor Squiggins arrives home with his daughter in tow. Ah, my little daughter. It's so lovely to have you home to stay. Thanks, Daddy. I'm ever so happy to be home also. England is fine, but everyone there is so British. I did not like their silly accents one bit, and I let them know it, loudly, and often. Sometimes through words, sometimes by moving my hands and mouth in a mocking fashion. The low point was when I struck a British cab driver in the mouth for daring to yield to me at a crosswalk. Imagine! I'm not an old woman. I know how to dodge traffic when I need to. In any case, I am done with England. America will be better for my constitution, I suspect. I think you're right, sweetheart. 
Oh, Daddy, there's so many things I want to do now that I'm back home. I want to go kite flying in the park. I want to kick rocks at lonely people at the zoo. I want to throw dead pigeons at pigeons. There'll be time for all those things, my little golden nugget. Ah, my little sprite. It's been a lonely, lonely time for your dear old dad, living in this big old house all alone. It'll be nice to have another set of hands around to help with cooking and cleaning. What? I'm not going to! I don't want to, Daddy! I don't want to do any work and now I hate you! (laughs) Now, now, tiny little jerk, settle down. I was only kidding. I would never ask my delightful little monster to exert herself in any way. Ha! Ha ha ha! Oh, Daddy, your jesting does delight me so. The hatred I initially felt for you has diminished and settled into a mild contempt. Wonderful, darling. But, Father, I have a question. You said another set of hands to help with the cooking and cleaning. What do you mean by that? <sighs> well, I guess that brings me to the news I was planning on telling you once you got settled in. What sort of news, Father? Well, over the last year and a half, I've fallen in love with someone. Love? What kind of stupid emotion is that, Father? I know your opinions on romantic love, sweetheart, but it simply can't be helped. Love is just a lot of noise and then a big mess that no one can ever clean up. I say fooey and fie to that garbage. Oh, daughter, I know you'd change your mind about this if you ever met her. No, I never could. Oh, Daddy, how could you do this to me? What about Mommy? Don't you care about Mommy? Why, tiny little jerk, of course I do. But don't you think Mommy would want me to be happy? It's been five years. I don't care. Daddy, when I was two, I made a promise to Mommy that if she ever died after running into an ostrich, I would never let you remarry. She seemed very frightened by this statement, but she said, Okay, and I'm standing by my promise, Daddy. I swear to you right now, I shall never allow you to remarry, Father. Ever, ever, ever! (sighs) Well... In that case, I suppose I have more news for you. News that you are not going to like. What is it, Daddy? Come. Well, my new love and I have already married. What? You have? Yes. It's true, darling. I'm so sorry I didn't tell you earlier, but I wanted it to be a surprise. When did you get married? Oh... About a year ago. A year ago? I'm sorry, dear. I should have told you earlier. And just who is this trollop, this harlot, this dripping sack of feline excrement? Well, her name is Delinda. Delinda Shipley. She's the secretary in the mathematics department office. She's got a kind heart and just the nicest, softest shoulders you've ever seen or felt in your life. My goodness, sometimes we'll be sitting back to back at the movie theater, and I'll be describing to her everything that's happening on screen, and I'll feel her shoulder blades against mine. Ugh! Father, I cannot even hear you right now over the sound of my insides being boiled and disintegrated inside the crucible of my bile-ridden stomach! I swear to you, Father, when I meet this Delinda Shipley, I will slice out her withered, blackened heart and fade it to the most ruthless, evil, bloodthirsty person I know. Myself. Oh, tiny little jerk, you don't mean that. You'll change your mind about all this once you meet her. 
I think you'll find that you two have a lot in common. Oh, do we? Do we really, Father? Tell me, does Delinda Shipley also hate Delinda Shipley? Does Delinda Shipley also curse the day that Delinda Shipley was born? If Delinda Shipley was in a pool with a shark, would Delinda Shipley also kiss that shark on the snout, wave a handful of steaming goat entrails over the shark's nose to give it the scent of blood, then throw those entrails at Delinda Shipley in order to see her devoured? Well, no. I mean, Delinda's certainly had her issues with Delinda. They've exchanged some cross words on occasion. And of course, Delinda does think that Delinda has a tendency towards smugness at times, and also thinks that Delinda isn't nearly as smart as she believes she is. But in general, Delinda and Delinda seem to have an understanding. In fact, between you and me, I suspect that they sometimes go to burlesque shows without me. They know that any display of the human body makes me feel uncomfortable and alive. Father, enough of your drivel! I shall never learn to like this horrible woman! Do you hear me, Father? Never! I'm running outside to my old treehouse where I will think about what kind of tree branch to use when I punish you. Prepare your hindquarters for my restitution, Father. I shall be receiving a check that your butt shall have to cash. Oh, Delinda, you couldn't possibly look lovelier today. The curls in your hair are as winding and spiraling as a descent into the abyss. Oh, Squiggy, you do flatter me so. You look rather handsome today yourself. The large, misshapen mole on your cheek is a personal favorite of mine. When you and I kiss, I like to imagine that your mole is a tiny bull weevil that is watching us smooch. He's alternately excited and ashamed by his voyeurism. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, Delindy, you and your imagination. That's why I love you so. That and your bewitching scent of honey, polyurethane, and blind confidence. I say, what a lovely day to be having breakfast out on the veranda. Oh, lovey, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying married life with you. If I have to squander my lust for life and sexual potency by limiting them to only one man, it might as well be you. And now, with that delightful little girl of yours back home, we'll have a real family on our hands. I can't wait for her to come down to join us. Speaking of your little goblin of joy, how did she take the news of our marriage? Is she just absolutely thrilled? Mm-hmm. Well, dear, um, funny thing about that. You see, she didn't, uh, didn't take it terribly well. What do you mean? Do you mean she was somewhat shocked by it? I suppose I can understand that. I mean, she hasn't even met me, and then she finds out I'm her new mother. Ooh, boy. I mean, put yourself in her position, Squiggy. Before yesterday, she thought you were still a lonely single man. And whenever she heard the word mother, she probably pictured her biological mother, the woman who brought her into this world. And now she finds out that her father has found another woman, one that he's committed to spending the rest of his life with. Yes, I suppose it is quite an adjustment for her. I tell you, Squiggy, I can't wait to sit her down and tell her that I'm not asking her to think of me as her new mother. Of course not, Lizard Muffin. I'm telling her to think of me as her new mother. You are? Of course, silly. I'm smart, funny, sweet-natured, and I got a caboose that never slams on the brakes. Why, I've been known to cause traffic accidents just by walking down the street and shooting at cars. 
I'm confident that if she just got to know me, that daughter of yours would forget all about your dead wife, Goop Goop. Uh, actually, dear, her name was Gertrude. Oh, what did I say? You said a name that was so strange that for a moment I thought your brain had shut down. In any case, dear, convincing the tiny little jerk to love you will take some doing. But I'll do what I can to promote your cause. Oh, look, here she comes now. Hello there, little one. Hello, Daddy. Tell me, who is this well-lined piece of loose leaf sitting next to you? You should probably keep your distance. She looks like she suffers from a bad case of the flu-z. Well, hello there, little missy. I'm so thrilled about finally getting to meet you. I just know we're going to fall in love with each other. Let me give you a big hug. Mm. Ugh. I can only imagine the varieties of disease being transmitted to me through this contact. I would not be surprised if I awoke tomorrow morning to find sea monkeys scampering across my pillow. Oh, you are a spirited little roustabout. I swear you shall become my favorite person in the world. And here I assume that your favorite person in the world would always be the man in the flashy coat who books engagements for you, if you catch my drift. You know, appointments, rendezvous, that sort of thing. TLJ, you are pushing this too far. It's time for you to... Stop with the innuendo. I'll do that once this pitiable succubus produces medical documentation showing that she is free of any condition that results in having to telephone others, if you catch my drift. TLJ, I have had it. You have crossed the line, and now I shall have to put my foot down. You shall never talk to my beloved Delinda in that manner again. Do you understand me, young lady? Shut up, father. Very well, then. I don't have to put up with this abuse. I'm going up to the roof to shoot my pellet gun at the neighbor. He's fixing his shingles, and I hope to deliver a prime shot to his ample posterior. Goodbye! Tiny little jerk, wait! Oh, goodness me. That did not go well at all. (sighs) What to do, what to do. Oh, well. If you need me, I'll be in the bath dictating my diary to my secretary. I cannot wait, as this has been quite an eventful day thus far. Oh, no, you don't, Squiggy. You and I are going to keep sitting here until we've decided what to do about this situation with your daughter. Oh, do we have to? Yes, we do. We're a family now, and we're going to make this work. I didn't escape J. Edgar Hoover's harem of wives to not end up with a family of my own. You know, you still haven't told me the details of that. Squiggy, this isn't the right time. It's never the right time. Exactly. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. In a few moments, Mr. Krantz and our stars will be back with Act 2 of Divorce My Daddy. And now, here's a young lady making her first entry in her 1945 diary. Dear Diary, Last night's New Year's Eve party was a corker. So many eligible young bachelors cavorting hither and thither. I swear to you, Diary, one of them threw such a hard glance at me that I almost culminated. 
and I'm not even sure what that means. No kidding, diary. There were so many handsome, single gents at this bash. I felt like stalking the tool shed with all of them, whatever that means. Boy, I really felt like scrubbing the stooge, if you know what I mean, diary. Anyway, out of all of these boys, there was one that really stood out for me. His name was Harold. He had hair down to his ankles, trousers that were ripped in the knees and the crotch, and these watery gray eyes that seemed to say, I'm sorry I'm wasting your time. He just seemed so... unique. When I got close to him, he told me I smelled wonderful. I told him I used beverage, soap, and family sanitizer. He said he didn't use soap anymore, because after all the death and destruction he's seen over the last couple of years, he didn't think he could ever get clean. I asked him if he'd just got back from the war, and he asked, What war? In any case, diary, we've made plans for tomorrow night. He suggested going to a movie, because it's nice and dark, and bright lights hurt his memory. Thanks, beverage soap and family sanitizer. Smart girls, ugly girls, bald girls, girls everywhere, at all times, are having their lives and complexions improved by beverage soap and family sanitizer. Why? Only a fountain of beverage soap every day can keep you from aging five seconds out of every second minute per three hours. That's why every girl should make it her New Year's resolution to enjoy a barn full of beverage soap and family sanitizer every single day. And ladies, if you have any friends that don't use beverage, remember to report them to one of our beverage soap and family sanitizer re-education centers found in every major city in America, so that she can finally admit what she's secretly known all along, that beverage soap and family sanitizer is the only soap that can redeem her. And now... Mr. Krantz returns to the microphone. After the program, we'll have something very special for you. A rather big surprise, in fact, during Curtain Call. So stay tuned. And now, here's Act 2 of Divorce My Daddy, starring Ronald Palmer as Professor Squiggins, Laura Marquis as Delinda, and Annie Almond as the Tiny Little Jerk. During his daughter's long absence at boarding and finishing school in Britain, Professor Stephen Squiggins, the rising star of the Princeton University Mathematics Department, met, fell for, and eventually married Delinda Shipley, a school administrator who taught him that it's love, not numbers, that rules the world. His adorable and dangerously unhinged daughter, however, isn't so sure about that. She's returned home from England for good, and at the end of Act One, she made no bones about her distaste for her father's return to canoodling. At the beginning of Act Two, a party is being thrown to celebrate TLJ's homecoming, at which Delinda and Professor Squiggins hope to win back her affections. Squiggy, I do hope this lovely party earns your daughter's affections. I can't bear to think that she will never grow to love me. Well, bless your heart, Delinda. You've certainly put a lot of work into this bash. Yes, well, I certainly did my best. I hope she enjoys the decorations. You'd mentioned she's allergic to mylar, so balloons were out of the question. But you did mention she liked bananas, so I bought over 200 bananas and just kind of stuck them everywhere. Indeed you did. I stepped on two of them and I walked into the room. By the way, Delinda... I feel I should apologize for my earlier chicanery regarding this situation. 
It's just that I feel guilty about sending her to that boarding school, and I want so badly to make it up to her. Oh, I understand, Squiggy. And I so badly want to be the vibrant, attractive mother she never had. I just wish she'd give me a chance. Well, she should be coming down any moment now. Oh, here comes Jenkins, the butler, with a note in his hand. I wonder what it could be. Thank you, Jenkins. What? No response? Still not talking to me, eh? Don't forget, Jenkins. 86 isn't too old for me to punch you. To paraphrase T.S. Eliot, you should prepare a face to meet my fist. Hey, stop walking away from me. Let me tell you one thing, Jenkins. Oh, he's gone. Anyway, let's read this letter. Dear father and that bag of manure posing as a woman, I will not be coming down tonight for the sickening display of desperation you call a homecoming party. If I wanted to be around a lot of people trying desperately to please me so that I won't hate them and failing miserably, I'd go to school. Which reminds me, father, I've decided not to go to school anymore. I shall earn money by marrying a rich man at age 16, and until then I shall spend the next eight years eating and discarding grapes. Oh, goodness, Squiggy, this is terrible. Won't she ever relent in her stubbornness? I fear I shall go mad. Now, now, Delindy, don't go insane. Insanity is unbecoming to one as thin and lysome as you. I'll go up to her room and talk to her so we can clear up this nonsense once and for all. No, Squiggy, let me go. If anyone's going to convince TLJ to love me, it'll have to be me. I'm the squeaky wheel here, and it's up to me to grease myself up. A fitting and thrilling image, Delindy. I hereby consent to this. Go and do your best. I'll stay down here and start eating these bananas, unsettling as their shape may appear to me. TLJ, may I come in? I suppose. It's a free country for now. Can you turn the knob yourself, or do you require my father to turn it for you, just like you turn his crank? <sighs> Hello, TLJ. My goodness, the way you've decorated your room is certainly distinct. Thank you. I did several paintings while I was in England. Each one of them criticizes some aspect of British society. That one you're looking at is called Dance Hall Hussies, while the one above me is entitled Fish and Chips and Nuclear Destruction. Dear me, TLJ, this is impressive work. Are you inspired at all by the Cubists? Well, yes, I was. I love the Cubists, especially Picasso. Of course! I see a particular parallel with Guernica in this one. You know about Picasso? Oh, of course. I absolutely adore him, too. I hold a master's degree in art history, and my thesis was on Picasso. Didn't your father tell you that? Well, no. But of course, I guess he hadn't had much of a chance to. I've been mostly avoiding him since I came home. Yes. Because of me? Well, yes. Because of you. Look, TLJ, I understand why you're upset. I know it's quite a shock to come home after so many years and find that your father has made such a tremendous change in his life. And I know that you don't view me as a suitable replacement for your mother. And that's okay. It is? Of course. For another two years, anyway. If you haven't forgotten about your mother and learned to worship me at that point, we might have to ship you back to England. <laughs> oh, Delinda, you're much funnier than I thought you'd be. What a cut-up you are. What? Oh, 
Yes, funny. I'm, I'm very funny. Oh, come here and give me a big hug. Mommy. Oh, TLJ, I have a feeling you and I are going to have a wonderful life together. And you know what, Delinda? When all's said and done, I've decided that I don't want you to divorce my daddy. Oh, you little stinker. Yeah, I am a... Hey, don't touch my curls! I'm... I'm sorry, TLJ. I... I... No excuses! Just don't do it again! I'm very particular about my personal stuff. Ronald Palmer, Laura Marquis, and Annie Almond come to the footlights for a well-deserved curtain call. You started the new year off for us with flying colors, all of you. Thank you, Mr. Kranz. I'm delighted to be in such venerable company. You've billed me with two very talented young ladies, Mr. Krantz. Both of them lovely, I might add. Of course they're lovely. They're beverage beauties, after all. Even little Annie here. Annie, how do you feel about becoming such a big star at such a young age? My mommy says if I make a million dollars, then maybe her mommy will finally love her. She says smiling is a do, crying is a don't, working ten hours a day is a will, and playing with other kids is a won't. (laughs) That's delightful. Well, listeners... I promised you a surprise at the end of this program, and I shall not disappoint. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that the male lead in tonight's production, Ronald Palmer, has been chosen as Hollywood's annual ritual sacrifice to appease the gods of show business and keep Hollywood's glamour train chugging along for another year. At midnight tonight, Mr. Palmer will be thrown from the Hollywood sign. Upon hitting the ground, his presumably lifeless body will be available for photo opportunities. Then, it'll be picked apart by the heads of each major studio and cooked into a stew that will be available for public consumption for a limited time only at the Brown Derby Restaurant on Wilshire Boulevard. Congratulations, Mr. Palmer. May the stuff of your stardom live in the bowels of America. Oh, Mr. Krantz, I am honored. I couldn't possibly have lived a fuller life one largely without unhappiness or true friendship. Mr. Krantz, if you don't watch out, I'm going to cry. Well, that would be off-putting. In any case, before we go, I should also say this. In these times of warfare and global strife, remember this quote from scripture. May we all go out swinging, regardless of who we strike. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you strength, forbearance, and a body in every pantry. On behalf of ourselves and our sponsors, we thank you for listening, and we invite you to tune in again next week when the Beverage Soap and Family Sanitizer Theater brings you Bob Hope, Francis Langford, and Tony Romano, and watch what I'm doing down there. This is Eugene Krantz signing off from outer space, uh, I mean Hollywood. Hollywood.